0: So encouraging to see y'all here, to hear y'all sing praises to our one true King, Jesus. And I love that we continue to see God move within our young adults. Uh, You know what's crazy today in our, just I wanna just do something really quick. Today in our staff meeting, we talked about um, how God has been moving uh, specifically within Calvary. And right now at our our Calvary young adults, we average 43 uh, young adults in attendance here and we've already had 43 gospel conversations. Can we celebrate that uh, today? That means that if we were to take our average, every single young adult, according to the number, has shared the gospel at least one time, which is amazing. And, and maybe you haven't specifically, and that's okay. We continue to invite you to be the light in this world, to be a light in, in the brokenness, because God has called us to do that. As we're going to uh, talk about today, we're we're excited because we've already finished the I Ams of Jesus, and that was, we all, we all blessed by the I Ams of Jesus. Man, I love that, that series that we did. I think God really moved and reminded us of who Jesus is. You know, and talking about the light, uh, how he is the light of the world. And speaking of the light, this Sunday is Daylight Savings, which, by the way, happy November 1st. Can you believe we're in November? Yeah, yeah, praise God for that, for sure. I, I think, uh, you know, Daylight Savings is so fun. Does anybody like Daylight Savings here? Yeah, some of us, yeah. So the thing is with daylight savings is that it technically, or we, we we believe that it adds an extra hour to our day. So we put our clocks back, right? So what tends to happen is sometimes you wake up and you're actually on time to where you need to be, right? Because we've set the clock back and you're like, wait, it's barely seven, I'm supposed to wake up at eight. And you're like, what? And so the thing is, is I love daylight savings, um, but... But what I've tried to do in the past is I've tried to take this hour of extra sleep or extra whatever and use it to my advantage. So like last year, I said, you know what, for this daylight savings, I'm going to get up early because I know I can. My body's already used to waking up at this time, but it's really going to be seven o'clock and I'll go to the gym. Right. Or maybe this time I'll actually be able to to pray early in the morning. Or maybe this time I'll actually like be able to make breakfast for my wife or whatnot. Right. So daylight savings usually comes for me with a plan. However, however, it never happens because what happens is the alarm goes off and you see, wait a minute, it's, it's, it's barely seven? Like it's not eight o'clock yet? And so right then and there, I have a choice to make. I have a decision to say, okay, I'm gonna get up or I have a decision to do what I usually do and hit snooze, right? And enjoy that extra hour of sleep. But the thing is, right, we, we have an opportunity within that hour to do something, right? And, and we can take that opportunity and do something with it, take advantage of it, or we can ignore it, right? But what if that opportunity, let's just, for the sake of the argument, what if we, we took that extra hour that we have and we knew that that extra hour that we use could potentially be something that would change the world forever, could potentially be something that you want to wake up or you will want someone to wake you up because you don't, know, you don't know what could happen and you don't want to miss out on what's happening, right? And I think that here in this life, we're going to read that Peter gives us that example as he's, as he's writing to his brothers and sisters and saying, you have an amazing opportunity right now to be a game changer in the world to be someone that continues to carry out the name of Jesus to the world. And I, I really wanna just wake you up, right? Because we're in a series on Second Peter and, and he's talking about how he's writing, first of all, from Rome. And this is really right before Peter's about to die, okay? So Peter is writing to his brothers and sisters and with his last breaths, with his last moments, he decides to share the beauty and the power of the gospel right before he dies. And he wants to wake his brothers and sisters up to warn them of different temptations and the different potential situations for people to fall away from their faith. In his last moments, he's, he's going to continue to press on the call that God has on our life. You see, we've already covered this semester who Jesus is. We've covered what he's done. We've covered, we've talked about how he's sacrificed his life for us. So that we would have life in him, the bread of life, the shepherd, the good shepherd, the light, the door. We've, we know who Jesus is. And I think we need to remind ourselves of the call that God has in our life as we close out this semester. Because we've reached already the mid-semester and some of us are feeling the mid-semester slump. Some of us are starting to say, uh, you know what, I think I'm going I'm to take a, a nap real quick. I'm going to hit the snooze button. But I'm here to encourage you and say, I don't, I don't believe we have time to do that right now. I believe that there's a mission that needs to be taken seriously, that God has put a purpose on our life that we don't want to miss out on. I would love for someone to wake, slap my face and say, wake up, bro. Something huge is about to happen. And I pray that as we close out the semester, that we would run the race full of energy and excitement as we read in 2 Peter. It starts off like this, 2 Peter chapter 1. I'm reading from the CSB version. So if it looks a little bit different in your Bible, don't worry. It starts out like this. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith equal to ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now, if you recall... One of the main themes that we have for Calvary young adults is that we would, what? Grow in the knowledge of the Lord, right? Being filled with the strength of the Spirit, abiding in Jesus, right? For what? So that we would bear fruit for the glory of God. That we would be mature believers, bearing fruit for the glory of God. And here Peter once again is saying, hey, may grace and peace be multiplied on you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. But here's what's interesting. What is the first thing that Peter does? Right off the bat, Peter reminds who he's talking to of who he once was and of who he is now in Jesus. You see, Simon was his birth name. That is what, that's the name that he was given when he was born. But when he had an encounter with Jesus, when he had a spiritual rebirth, if you will, Jesus gave him a new name. A name that he would build his church on, the rock, Peter. He also relates the first, uh, he also relates first that he's a servant of Christ, and then he calls himself an apostle, which is very interesting the order that he decides to write this letter in. Peter was more concerned about reminding his brothers and sisters that he's first and foremost a servant to you, to Jesus a servant of the kingdom, of the plan that God has. And then he says, I'm an apostle as well. You see, before anything, we're we're called to be servants, right? Peter met Jesus, had a new name, right, Peter? And he was there to serve Jesus. And then Jesus gave him a purpose to serve as an apostle. How often do you remind yourself of what Jesus has called you? That's my question for us this morning. How often, this morning, this evening, right? How often have you just stood for a moment if you were to write a letter to someone? How would you define yourself, right? How often do you recall the moment that Jesus gave you a new name? When he called you forgiven, when he called you redeemed, when he called you loved, when he called you child, when he called you servant, brother. Sister, again, we read, Jesus says, I am this, but remind ourselves of who Jesus says you are. As Peter is doing in his last moments, before anything, I'm reminding you of who I am in Jesus. We are called to remember who we are in Christ. We remember who we are in Christ, not in anything else, but in only what he says we are. That is who we are according to what Jesus has done in our lives. Remember who we are in Christ. Take a moment, just this week, maybe later tonight, and I would say, man, before I viewed myself as this way, right? This is how we've taught you to use your testimonies before, right? Put a few descriptions of who you once were, and then remember of the gospel and put descriptions of who you are now in Jesus. Right? I was once broken. Now I am redeemed. I was once anxious now i have peace right those are good reminders for us to know who we are remember who we are in christ verses three through four his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness by these he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share and the divine nature escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. Man, now Peter is really throwing down who Jesus is again to us and where the power lies. And he's emphasizing something though, right? He's emphasizing something that his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through what though? Through what? Through the knowledge of him. Through the knowledge of Jesus, through the knowledge of the Holy Spirit, through the knowledge of God. His divine power has given us everything, life and Godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us. And I think there are a few things that we need to remember here is that growing in the knowledge of God is the key to very many things that we see here in this in this verse. Peter is telling us that we have the key, we have access to certain things because we continue to grow, or he's calling us to continue to grow in the knowledge of God. The first thing he says is: growing in the knowledge of God is the key to knowing grace. Knowing grace, right? The thing that has saved us, Ephesians 2:8, says, For by grace you have been saved. Right? Where sin runs deep, grace abounds more. That's what we read in scripture. And as we know God, as we grow in the knowledge of God, we grow in the knowledge of his grace. And what usually happens when you grow in the specific knowledge, you learn to either appreciate or you learn to take for granted. But I'm here to say that as we grow in the knowledge of God, I I, I believe firmly the Holy Spirit will convict us and give us a, a spirit of appreciation. Guys, growing in the knowledge of God is also the key to knowing peace, right? It's the key to knowing peace. As we grow in Jesus, as we grow in the knowledge of Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace, we know that more and more. Growing in the knowledge of God is the key to knowing life, right? Who else to learn about life than from the person who embodies life, from the person who is life? That's who Jesus is, as we learned in the previous series. As we know God, we know more and more what life is, but not just what life is, but what true life is. As we grow in the knowledge of God, it's the key to knowing promises, knowing his promises for us. See, by knowing God, you gain the essentials for not only salvation, but for how we are to live our lives. You see, knowledge is power. The more we know, the more we react, the more we respond, right? Has anybody ever, like, been shooketh by something you didn't know? And you're like, what? Like the Mandela effect? Like, that stuff always freaks me out. Like, some of y'all, think of the Chick-fil-A logo and spell it out. And you go look at the actual logo and you're going to be like, wait, that's not how it's spelled. I promise you, you're going to freak out, <laughs> right? But that's the thing, is that sometimes we, take, we just take things for granted and, and we don't look at the actual real image of who God, he says he is, right? Knowing his promises and what the promises actually mean. Sometimes we take a promise and we think that it means something for me, right? For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, What a great bumper sticker, but if if, if God said in that moment, I'm going to give Twinkies to all the Kings and we read that, are we going to say, Oh man, I can't wait for my Twinkies. No, that verse was meant for a certain thing at a certain place at a certain time, right? I'm not saying that we can't abide and and believe that God has plans for us. He does. But sometimes we take promises that actually don't belong to us. is Not that interesting. But how do, how do we then know the promises? Well, we, we know God. Okay. And my question is, what knowledge are you drawn to? What knowledge are you drawn to? Are you drawn to your own knowledge? Knowledge of oneself? I got to know me first. You know what I'm saying? I got I to know myself before I can know anything else. I got to just Take takes some me time, you know what I'm saying? To, to reveal, right? Well, guess what? You don't know anything about yourself. I promise you that. You know who does know you? God. He created you. He knows your thoughts before you even think them. He knows your heart's intentions before you even feel them. So don't fool yourself thinking, I got to know me. No, you're not going to. But as you run to Jesus, he's going to reveal more of things that you might not like, but also things that he needs to heal, things that he needs to restore, things that he needs to shed light on, right? That's how you get more knowledge of yourself. Maybe you're drawn to the knowledge of theologians, right? Maybe you're drawn to the knowledge of famous pastors. Maybe you're drawn to the knowledge of Paul, Peter, any other disciple, hey, that's good stuff. I'm not saying that's bad stuff. That's, I'm sure that God has equipped many pastors, many theologians, many uh, 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 like teachers to have knowledge that they can, part, like they can put on us, but don't, don't get it twisted because everything that they have comes from God and comes from Scripture. My question is Are you willing to seek and submit to the knowledge of the living and powerful God that we serve? He is the ultimate provider of knowledge. He's given us brains to even think in the first place. Think about this. Any knowledge that we think we have comes from a God who even created the idea of knowledge. You know what I mean? Yeah, like you're gonna hurt your brain, so don't do this. But like if you think back, like who created knowledge? God, how did he do that? I don't know. So I'm trying to gain knowledge to know how he did knowledge. (laughs) Like, it's not gonna work, it's not it's gonna wreck your brain. And that's a good thing, because if we understood, and I've said this before, if we understood everything that God is, he wouldn't be God, right? Plain and simple. He's outside of any boundary, he's outside of anything we could ever imagine. So, how do we gain this knowledge though? How do we gain the knowledge? of God. One way is through studying scripture. That's pretty simple. Listening and reading, for sure, that's good stuff. That's how we gain knowledge insight into who God is. But if I were to ask you, right? If I were to ask you, what are some of the most important memories and lessons that have been ingrained in your heart and mind, where did that come from? Just, just think about that. When I think of this, and what I've learned, it came through through what? I would hope, or I would believe, not hope, but I would think that it comes through experiences, right? The, the moment you, you first held your girlfriend or boyfriend's hand, oh my gosh, you studied it, you read about it, you knew that, that, that there was going to be something that you were going to feel, but it changes as soon as you experience it, Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. It's different. You read about, uh, I, I, like, places, whether it's, uh, uh, I don't know, what's a beautiful place? Greece. You see pictures, right? You hear descriptions of it. You hear what what, what the water is going to look like. You think it's the same thing as reading and studying until you actually go and experience it? No, because when you go experience you're like, oh, my gosh, I can touch the water. It's real. You can see my feet and I really need a pedicure, right? Or like, like you can see and feel and experience what is happening. Most of our lessons and memories come from experiences. Let me ask you this. Have you experienced God? Have you experienced the powerful saving grace of God in your life? where you didn't just read about it, you didn't just hear someone talk about it or saw someone live it out, but you actually experienced it to the point where you fell on your knees in tears, praying and worshiping that there is a God out there that not just by the word do I know he loves me, but because I've actually experienced through the power of the Holy Spirit and the saving grace of Jesus. You wanna grow in the knowledge of God? Seek him experience him, abide in him. Talked about that a few weeks ago in John 15. Abide in him, seek his face, read his word because it's his word. It's not, yes, it's, it's Paul and Peter writing, but it's his word, it's God. The word became flesh, experience him, abide in him. Verses five through 11. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection or sisterly, and brotherly, brotherly or sisterly affection with love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. How scary can it be that we could be useless and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's scary. That scares me. I think it's somewhere in, in Matthew, that, Matthew 7, I believe, where, where people are surrounding Jesus and say, Jesus, we said all these things in your name. And what does Jesus say? Be gone from me, fool. I never knew you. Mm-mm. I never knew you. But we exercise demons in your name. I never knew you, fam. I didn't. That's great. Maybe it happened, maybe it didn't, but I didn't know who you were at that time because you were seeking that instead of seeking me. Oh man, that's so scary. Sorry. Side topic. Um, The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, therefore, underline that, make every effort to confirm your calling and election because if you do these things you will never stumble. Make every what? Make every effort. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. Make every effort. Make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For in this way entering into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. Walking with Jesus takes effort. It takes effort. Is it easy? No. It takes effort. We don't ever say, "Let's." We don't, we don't ever say, oh, let Jesus just drag you along with him. Right? We don't ever say, uh, just let Jesus put you on his back. And No, we, we don't use that language. The language that we use is, let me surrender my life to Jesus so that he can give me true life and that we may be used by him for his glory. If this is what we truly believe, church, if we truly believe that God has given us life, then we must believe that he's given us a purpose. Then we know it's going to take work, but this is a byproduct of surrendering and receiving life. Purpose. Jesus did not give us life just for the heck of it, but to bring him glory through his sacrificial love, and to express that to the world. And that takes work. It takes commitment. It takes discipline. You see, I I admire those of you that are like artists and like painters. I know we have a a few of them in here. Y'all are so gifted, so talented, right? But let me ask you this. Did Did that just happen out of nowhere? No, right? You see, I can give everybody in this room a paintbrush and a canvas, If we do it right now, we're going to see who's put the work in to perfect their craft and painting. And then you're going to see mine that can't even do a a stick figure. You know what I'm saying? That's what we're going to see. Right? And, And God has given us this canvas which we call life. You don't think we're going to see at the end who has had the discipline and obedience to continue to walk with Jesus? Of course we are. It's a discipline. It takes effort. Ultimately, we need to work, right? In our, and, and and we need to grow in the knowledge of God to the point where we can produce paintings, right? That reflect so much beauty. Paintings that reflect our lives, that reflect the goodness of God. If you went this weekend to the BSM retreat, we talked about spiritual disciplines. That was the theme of the BSM retreat, spiritual disciplines, right? And I was able to share along with my wife uh, specific spiritual disciplines that we could do to help us ultimately get closer to Jesus. And the thing that I think we often confuse is that sometimes we confuse disciplines with the result of abiding in Jesus, if that makes sense. Because the goal is not to perform disciplines as a proof of walking with Jesus but that we would understand that we live in such a broken world that we know we need guidance and discipline to continue to reach our ultimate goal, which is Jesus. Being able to be disciplined is not the goal. The goal is being able to continue to abide in Jesus. Does that make sense? So if you see someone that, man, they journal every single day. Hey, that's great. But do they see Jesus at the end of that? Man, that person is praying nonstop. Well, that's awesome. But have they experienced Jesus at the end of that? Again, the disciplines are not the goal. Jesus is the goal. Our disciplines lead to Jesus, not to salvation, because we've already received that, but to Jesus, right? And then he closes verses 12 through 15. Therefore... I will always remind you about these things. Even though you know them and are established in the truth that you now have, I think it is right that as long as I am in this bodily tent to wake you up with a reminder that since I I know that I will soon lay aside my tent as our Lord Jesus Christ has indeed made clear to me and I will also make every effort so that you are able to recall these things at any time after my departure. Man, you see the heart that Peter has for his brothers and sisters right there in verse 15. I will make every effort so that you're able to recall these things at any time after my departure. He wants to leave a legacy of abiding in Jesus that is so powerful that no matter what we can say, man, Peter gave it all he had to remind us of one thing, and that is to wake up. Wake up. Some of you are just waking up right now when you hear me say that, right? Like, oh, shoot, he saw me. No. Wake up, church. Wake up. God has something so spectacular for us. He's invited us to be a part of something amazing. And there are specific things that I think we need to wake up from some of us I mean some of us need to wake up from complacency some of us need a little slap and says brother sister seems like you're just kind of complacent some of us need to wake up from discouragement some of us have been so discouraged because we keep failing or we keep sharing the gospel and nobody's coming to know Jesus and we keep trying to lead people, and we keep trying to, to grow our discipleship group or whatnot, and, and, and God is saying, wake up, that's, that's, that's not it, that's not the point. Some of us need to wake up from laziness. And no one wants to say amen to that, right? Some of us need to wake up from uncertainty. Some of us need to wake up from sin. You see, the thing is, is that Peter knows That things are happening in the world right now at this time. Persecution's coming. And he's encouraging them, don't lose heart. Keep running the race. He's warning them of all these different things. But the beauty of this, though, is that in the midst of God waking us up, he also promises to walk with us. Peter, from the very beginning, reminds us, right, at the very beginning of this chapter, that this comes from his divine power before Peter said anything, he says, this comes from the power of Jesus. May we wake up and rest in that truth, rest in his power as we walk alongside him. Maybe some of us in this room never knew Jesus, didn't know that there was a power available there that we could surrender to, that would give us purpose, that would give us peace, that would give us life. Maybe some of you need need to know that peace, need to know that rest that comes with Jesus. And you have a moment right now to not hit that snooze button, but to say, I'm gonna wake up and receive what Jesus has in store for me to bring him glory and to hold on to the promises of the peace that he has for me in my life and purpose. And if that's you, I invite you to surrender your life to him, to the power of who Jesus is, You can ask your leader at your table what that means, what that looks like, and they can share with you their story. They can share with you the gospel in its fullness, and you can surrender your life tonight. So as the Holy Spirit moves and convicts, may we lean into that. In a moment, we're going to take communion. And it's a powerful reminder of who God is who Jesus is and what he's done for us. So as I pray, continue to just reflect on what we've read and get our hearts ready to take communion. Let me pray for us, Jesus. We thank you so much for who you are. We thank you, Lord, for providing us faithful people that set an example after you left of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, someone that continues to run with endurance, with self-control, with love, with affection. We thank you that you've provided your scripture that we can read to, to gain that knowledge. We pray Jesus that we would gain more knowledge of you. We pray Jesus that we would continue to abide in you. We continue to surrender anything, any weights that distracts us from you. Anything that would tempt us to fall away and that we would remember that, that we have a calling, and that we can't afford to fall asleep, that you would give us the energy and endurance to keep running in the midst of distraction, in the midst of, of uncertainty, in the midst of pain, in the midst of darkness. We know that you ultimately hold it on your hands and that there is a light that we will see at the end of it all, that this will all be worth it. This will not be done in vain but that we will rejoice together as a church and as a family, just filled with joy, hope, no more tears, no more suffering, just rejoicing in who you are, Jesus, because you have already won the battle, you've already won the war, and we can rest in that truth. Father, I pray for any hearts in this room right now that don't know you, that they would come to know you for the very first time, that they would show humility and knowing who you are, that we would also reflect the love to them as brothers and sisters to compel them, Jesus, through the way that we love because of how you loved us. They would come to know you through that. We pray for those who haven't been baptized that maybe need to make that next step, Jesus, to surrender that and to show the world that they are fully saved, obedient to the calling that you have on their life through baptism. Lord, I just pray for every person in this room who's going through something right now as well, that they would put that at at your feet because you can take care of that. That you would give them encouragement. You would give them hope and peace in that. I pray, Lord, and rejoice for those that continue to abide in you faithfully. We praise you for the gospel conversation that have happened this week, and we pray that we would have more for your glory and your glory alone. In the mighty name of Jesus, that we pray and we all said,